Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where two lifelong fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. Now, here are your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. To another episode of Giant Cocktails. I am your host, Ben Henry, alongside my brother, the prosaic Matthew Henry. How you doing, Matthew? I'm doing good. I you know, mm-hmm. prosaic. That sounds like a word that uh that sounds like a good one this time. I'm gonna yep, guess. That's what it is. It's a good word. Let's move on. Time for question of the day. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't I don't know. No, it's I don't, fine. I don't trust what? you. I'm going to look at You don't up. trust me. Gonna, Why would you not trust me? I am a very trustworthy person. Uh-huh. I know you are. That's why I'm totally not looking this up. I am the most trustworthy person in this closet right Lacking now. imaginativeness or originality, commonplace, unromantic. <laughs> That's not a good See? thing at all. <laughs> <laughs> I... Explain yourself. Mean, well, <laughs> sometimes your jokes are rather mundane. Yeah, yeah. Your cocktail recipes are, are overstated oh. and right. therefore pedestrian. And you tell the same stories over and over again. All right. Well, I, I don't know what to say to that. I guess. Uh, <laughs> and you know. also, the San Francisco Giants, Matthew, while being a an above average baseball team, are very clearly not a good baseball team. Like they're almost good, but they're definitely not great. Unimaginative, as we, one might say. Th- yes, unimaginative, commonplace. Yeah, they're not bad. You know, commonplace is fine. Commonplace means like you're in the middle, middle place. You know what, Matthew, sometimes middle place is a safe place to be. You know, the bison that don't get eaten, Matthew, they live in the middle of the herd. Right? (laughs) You don't want to be out there on the edges. The ones out in front, they run over the cliff and fall to their deaths. Exactly. Exactly. This is is why I am prosaic. That's right. Being pro- this is why prosaic is a good thing. All right. All right. I'm I'm down with it. I'm, I am this prosaic. Is, yeah. And you've never once told a story twice. I'm sorry I said that. <laughs> All of your stories have been true. All right. Well, now, now you're lying. I, <laughs> you know, it's not my fault that, oh. I don't re- I, that I don't remember who I told stories to. You know, right, I'm a storyteller, right. Ben. I like to tell that's, stories. And I just, that's right. I don't always remember that I told you that story. I thought it was that's right. Bob next door. You know, I just, I didn't sure. know. I didn't sure. know. Well, that's better than me. Sometimes I don't remember that I've told a story to anyone ever at all. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a question for you. Okay. It, it's sort of related to this whole San Francisco Giants being average thing. <laughs> okay. Would you rather be good and unrecognized? Or would you rather people think you were good, but you really weren't? Wow. 
that's a tough one, isn't it? Because you're, at first you're like, oh, of course I'd rather be good and unrecognized. But then you think about it and you're like, wait, but what about the glory? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what about, I... What about the Instagram likes? Exactly. Like I, or a fraud who people think is good. I mean, fraud, a fraud, a fraud is a fraud strong is a, word. I was just going to say, that. that's a strong word. If I'm just prosaic and people think that I'm good, you know, maybe may commonplace yeah, and not, people think that not, I'm good. Yes. That's I, what I mean. You're not tricking people. Okay. You know, it, it, you're, there's no evil component to it. it isn't, everybody thinks you're good, but you're really just average. I'm fine like, with that. That's, that's, that's just, 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 let's go with that one. Right. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. 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 So you're like a music artist from the last decade. Yeah. You know. I mean, yeah, uh, anybody, exactly. anybody post Taylor Swift. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking down Taylor. She's the real thing. Don't come at me. Don't come at me. Yes, don't mess with the Swifties. <laughs> I would never mess with the Swifties. <laughs> uh, I like how I like how she writes her lyrics, but otherwise, I'm just, I'm not that into her. I, I do like the lyric, uh, her approach to lyrics, though. That is very good. Anyway, today is Sunday, August twentieth, as we record this podcast. Your San Francisco Giants went two and four this week to bring their record to 65 and 59. I feel like that's reason to celebrate, Ben. I do, too, because remember, you got mad at me last week when I said they could go 0 and 6. And you were like, oh, way to be pessimistic, blah, 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 blah. But I was actually trying to make a point, which was they're playing some really good teams. And if they did go get swept, it wouldn't be outside of the realm of possibility. And hey, you know... If Patrick Bailey throws that ball away and then a Brave hits a home run today and and the and the Rays embarrass the Giants on Tuesday the way they embarrassed them on Monday and Wednesday, then we would be talking about 0-6 against two very good teams, right? Right. But we didn't, all right? We, That's we, right. We, we didn't. We, we snatched didn't. victory from the jaws of defeat today and uh, salvaged the three-game series, but really, you know, I mean, winning one out of three in Atlanta against the team with the best record in the National League. No, this is the best team in baseball. Yeah. This okay. is the best team in baseball. And right and now. I think, so I think that that's probably uh, okay, right? I mean, that is a, that's that's a small victory. I think this is a great sign. I, I look, look, Monday, the way this week started off, right, because they went one and two against the Rays, and Monday was horrific, Right. They gave up 18 hits. Tristan Beck gave up 10 hits. I mean, they were lost. And then on the op, they, 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 they had two hits, I think, in that game. They got out hit by 16 on Monday against the Rays, who, who, who have fallen back to earth after their incredible start to the season, but are still a very, very good team. Uh, a team that pitches well and, and certainly its offense looked like it knew what it was doing against the Giants. Right. They had a game plan and they executed it like they knew exactly what Tristan Beck was going to throw them. And they gently put it into the center of the outfield 10 times against Mr. Beck. It just looked like a team that absolutely knew what it was doing versus a team that was just trying to hold itself together. That was Monday. Right. Yeah. And then they look really good on Tuesday, a game I went to, by the way. And then they look they look like their normal selves again on Wednesday. And then we're like, oh, no, now they're going to Atlanta. And then on Friday, they just got dominated 
But you know what? The last two days, Matthew, even though, yeah, they gave up the victory on Saturday, they had double-digit hits in two consecutive games, I think for the first time since the end of June. So the offense looks like it's starting to come to life. And they fought tooth and nail uh, and competed very well head-to-head against the best team in baseball for two out of three games. And, And I think that you know, and they look like they're a team on the upswing. So while it was a two and four week, honestly, I feel like this was a good two and four week. Well, yeah, I think you started to see some signs of, um, I don't know, life, I guess I should say, as far as uh, the offense. Uh, you know, last couple of days we've had double digit hits. You know, like I can't even remember the last time we can that happened consecutive in consecutive games. So you know, I, I, yeah, I think that there's uh, some hope for for uh, for the future. And, you know, it doesn't hurt that the other National League teams also seem to just want to stay uh, prosaic, if I can use that word. Uh, so, you know, uh, the Giants are still sitting in the second wildcard spot, even after going three and seven in the last 10 games. Uh, so... I, I think that this week, uh, if you're looking for optimism, was that uh, they held their own, and they're still in a playoff spot, and you saw signs of life on the offense that we haven't seen in quite a while. So I uh, was still not getting the timely hits. That's the only quibble. But you can't really, you know, I mean, you're, you, you know, sometimes that's just going to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, well, sometimes it is going to happen. I don't know that at this point we can say sometimes it's going to happen. At this point, it's been happening for two straight months. But you did mention the standings. The, the Giants have fallen 10 and a half games back behind the, the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, I, I think at this point, there's just no chance that they're going to win the division. Um, no. You know, something that sure. I've been saying all year. But in the wild card standings, they're still in second place, Matthew, in the wild card standings. The Cubs are still charging hard. The Diamondbacks have turned things around, so they're putting pressure on. But the Giants are a game and a half up on the fourth the fourth uh, wild card team, and so they're in the second wild card spot. You know, there's I and and it looks like the offense is turning things around. Like I don't think there's this is necessarily panic time. Yes. Tough times ahead. They're playing the Phillies, who are two games ahead of them in the wildcard standings. But I see that as an opportunity to gain a game on the Phillies, right? And let the Phillies worry about the Cubs and the Diamondbacks. And, you know, they've got the Braves coming back to San Francisco. And quite frankly, the way that the Giants played them in Atlanta, I think that's a that's a very winnable series for the Giants. They could go two and one or maybe even sweep. Okay, they're not going to sweep. I don't know what I'm thinking. I'm I'm already I'm I'm deep into my my cocktail. Everything's fine. This is fine. It's fine, right, Matthew? It's fine. That's what I keep telling myself. <laughs> Maybe we should talk about who's hot and who's not. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. Uh, because actually, for the first time in quite a while, there's more than like Wilmer Flores as who's hot. You know, <gasps> so uh, you look back at the last seven days, you got um, in a very small sample size, uh, Luis Matos has come back and he's hitting 400 uh, Welcome back, a Luis. home run, two hits, one of them a home run. Uh, so Luis Matos is back. Uh, Michael Conforto 
has been one of the hotter hitters, hitting 389 over the last week, seven for 18 with uh, uh, with oh, well, only one double. But uh, but yeah, you know, just seems like he is at least not striking out every at bat, which is uh, a much better thing than what we've seen in the past. JD Davis starting to heat up again, five for his last 15, 333 uh, average. Uh, Tyro Estrada gave us a little scare today, getting hit on the wrist again, or the the hand. At first, I thought it was the same hand that we got broken, and then uh, ended up being his inside uh, wrist. But uh, but still, uh, batting three eighteen since he's come back, uh, three forty eight on base, five forty five slugging. Uh, so he's been doing great. Wilmer continuing to to do well. He's batting three sixteen over the last seven days, three eighty one on base, two home runs. Uh, so, you know, he's been great. Uh, so those are kind of the ones that are really hot, uh, right now. Uh, if you want to go one deeper and only because, um, it actually surprised me, but newcomer Johan Camargo is batting 286 for the week. Um, which, you know, it's funny cause 286 is a good batting average. It, if you look at what that is, that's actually four for 14. So, um, when, in and, and 10 of those other at bats, yeah, it seemed like every single one of them was in a crucial moment where he wasn't really coming through. But with the but bases still. loaded, yeah, exactly. Well, th- I mean, that's because a lot of guys are not coming through with the bases loaded, Matthew. Right? True. If the bases are loaded and the guy in front of you hits a grand slam, then you come up with nobody on base. If the bases are loaded and the guy strikes out, like all San Francisco Giants do, then that means you come up with the bases loaded, right? So a lots of guys are having opportunities to fail because a lot of guys are failing. And uh, it's not just Mr. Carmago. But, you know, um, anyway, yeah, who's well, not hot? Well, oh, and, and I did want to say on the pitching side, uh, you know, the pitching has been been doing very well. I mean, we had Tyler Rogers had an unfortunate uh, little slip on uh, on on Saturday uh but overall has a 0.75 whip over the last 7 days uh over his two games um just you know gave up a home run which he rarely does to a left-handed hitter so uh you know so anyway but uh, I, I guess so if you want to put someone who's not uh that was just one mistake that uh, that really struggled but you look at the pitching staff overall and I was trying to find someone who was doing really bad and nobody really stands out. There's not anyone that has gotten smoked in the last. Well, Tristan Beck gave up 10 hits on Monday. That's true. That's true. But uh, yeah, so I guess as far as, and then Ross Stripling again uh, would be the other one. uh, Yeah, but he went on the IL. Yes, he did. Right. His, his, his ego got hurt. I thought it was his uh, strained neck from whipping his head around every time to watch the ball go out of the park. That, that might've been the actual one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they kept waiting for it to heal, and but 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 then he would give up another home run and yeah, he would aggravate the injury by whipping his neck every, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, man. Man, it's really hard to get that neck to heal when you keep giving up those home runs. Uh, man, I, I hope that I hope that improves, Ross. Uh, yeah, and I mean, just just to give you an idea, how many home runs uh, Ross Stripling has given up? He's given up twenty home runs in you know seventy-eight what? innings. I'm not going to hold that last one against him because it, it hit off the wall and then it ran along the, the other wall. Although, now that I think about it, it went to Triple's Alley and bounced off the wall. It would have been a home run in every other park. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. 20 home uh, runs in yeah, less than but, 80 innings. Crazy. But Ross and his dad agree that maybe that one's the one that breaks the curse. And I'm doing air quotes. It's just bad luck, Matthew. Just bad luck. All right. It's just as far luck. as uh, people who are not doing well, uh, who's not hot, on the hitting side, Austin Slater continues to, to struggle. Um, he's 0 for his last eight. Uh, Kapler be- believes in him some of the time. <laughs> and before Brandon Crawford went on the IL this week, uh, he was 0 for his last 10 with six strikeouts. So definitely a couple guys that uh, have not been hitting well. Uh, Lamont Wade Jr. has also been struggling. Uh, Blake Sable has been struggling. So, yeah, you still got guys that are that are struggling. Uh, Wade Meckler, who we'll talk a little about later, uh, you know, his first 17 at-bats in the big leagues has not been as good as his first at-bats in every other stop he's made this year, uh, which is to be expected. But, uh, you know, he's batting a buck 76 since he's gotten up to the big leagues. So those are who's not hot. Ben. Yeah. So what happens next in the show, Matthew? Oh, yeah. You ask me a question, and I always have the answer. Go. Correct. So, the big news today, as I was getting ready to take my younger daughter to soccer practice, I got an alert on my phone that said the Giants plan on bringing up Kyle Harrison to make his major league debut on Tuesday against the Philadelphia Phillies. Mm Mm-hmm. I I don't even remember this dude. Do you remember Kyle Harrison? I I I vaguely remember the name. I was pretty sure that he was like uh he was like the character Godot in Waiting for Godot. Right. Exactly. Yes. And it, those it, of you who don't know, he never shows up. He never shows up. That's that's the thing about the play, people. He never shows up. Godot never shows up. I'm sorry. Spoilers. I'm supposed to say that at the beginning, aren't I? Yeah. Yes. Well, Godot never shows up. That's Kyle Harrison. Kyle Harrison is 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 Godot. Yeah, yeah. As I tweeted out earlier, I just I was beginning to think that he didn't exist, kind of like the state of Montana. Uh, That's right. So just, uh, but but apparently he does. And I was doing a little little research on him, and find out that he's a local boy. I didn't what? know this. What? So the trivia question today is: What Bay Area high school? Did Kyle Harrison attend? Oh my, what Bay Area high school did he attend? Ooh, this is a good question. Um, I'm going to go with San Ramon Valley. Oh, okay, go on East Bay. I like it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of near where I live, but like, I didn't want to go with just the the town that I live in. No, 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 no. Livermore High School. He was a cowboy. <laughs> okay, Livermore. All right. That's what I'm going with. Livermore. All cowboy. Right. Home yeah. of the... Uh, the cowboys. Uh, the, the Yeah. I'm surprised they're not like the isotopes or something like that. Like <laughs> uh, the science lab out there. Livermore is an interesting place, Matthew. It's kind of got a lot of different cultures. You know, it's got the wine country. It's got the lab. But then it's also got the agro history, and then it's also got the fact that it used to be a ranchero, uh, where the head guy was an Englishman named Livermore, and that's how it got its name. All right. Well, we'll see at the end of the yeah. show if Kyle went to Livermore High. If 
Go Cowboys! All right. Enough with the banter. Let's talk cocktails. What are you drinking, Ben? Oh, crap. It's Dad. What am I drinking? Um, it's, it's orange juice. It's orange, it's orange juice, Dad. God Oops. damn it. It's, it was it's, not orange juice. It's black. It's, it's black in color. It's, it's a cold brew old fashioned. Uh, and it's pretty tasty. And if you want to hear about it, you should go back to last Thursday's show, download it and give it a listen. You know what? Happy hour is a good show, folks. And most of you know that because most of you download it. But there's a few of you who don't. And I don't know why you're all just sitting on happy hour because it's a good show. And if you went over there, you'd hear me talk all about the cold brew. But maybe I make it so you don't have to because I tell you the recipe. And the recipe is two ounces of bourbon, three quarters of an ounce of cold brew coffee. You can make it yourself or you can pour it out of a bottle or you can buy it from Starbucks. I'm not going to judge. One quarter of an ounce of simple syrup and two to four dashes of chocolate bitters to whatever you prefer and an orange peel for garnish. Take all of the bourbon, all of the cold brew, all of the simple syrup and all of the bitters and add them into a mixing glass. Stir that with a bar spoon. Add a large chunk of ice. One single chunk, folks. I mean, if you only have little chunks, you know, you got you do what you got to do. But but really, we're looking for one large chunk. And uh, you put that into your glass. And then you stir that 15 to 20 times to just get a little dilution, a little bit of a chill. And then you express an orange peel over the entire glass. And then you take that peel and you put it in the glass. And then you enjoy an exquisite cocktail called the cold brew old fashioned. And that's what I'm drinking, Bob. Mmm. That's a tasty cocktail. It is a tasty cocktail, and I'm sorry I said your name with sass. I didn't mean it. What are you drinking, Matthew? Well, Bob, I am drinking a classic and still in line with the summer cocktail theme a Paloma. And a Paloma is a trendy cocktail nowadays. You can find it at just about any like upscale bar. Uh, and some of those upscale bars will try to tell you that a Paloma has grapefruit juice and simple syrup and club soda in it. Uh, but don't let them fool you. A Paloma is a simple cocktail, folks. It's got two ounces of tequila, Blanco, a half ounce of lime juice. And you put those into a Collins glass with ice and you top it off with grapefruit soda. Some prefer El Squirt. Some prefer Jaritos. El Squirt. And some prefer Jaritos. But whichever one it is, it makes it cool and refreshing and easily gulpable on a hot summer day. Uh, you, you can even, you know, chug, 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 chugging it, chugging the Paloma. Uh, I'm not doing that right now because I'm a refined gentleman, but it is a, a perfect cocktail on a hot summer day. I highly recommend you try it as well. So that is what I'm drinking today, Ben. Oh, that's cool. I prefer it with El Squirt, like most chuggers. 
you fancy pants boys drink jaritos. And nobody drinks it with grapefruit and soda water and simple syrup because that's not a Paloma. No, that's that's like, uh, oh, let's let's be all fancy when we don't need to be. You don't need to be fancy with the Paloma folks. Just right. Just just gulp it down. That's all you need to do. That's right. You don't need to be fancy. You don't need to make things all complicated. You don't need to like get all like worked up about like ratios and percentages and like, uh, you know, being smarter than everybody else. Kind of like uh, those newfangled baseball stats. Yeah, like those newfangled baseball stats. Like expected batting average and exit velocity and launch angle and the speed score and there's a stat for everything in there. There's a stat for everything, Matthew. And one of the stats that we've been hearing a lot of talk about recently a lot of people have been referencing this. It's been all over everybody's mouths. And I blame Ben Kaspik because, you know, he's the numbers nerds guy. And, and, and all the other writers, they've picked up on it and everybody's looking at it. And now everybody on Twitter is talking about it. They're all, everybody's talking about expected batting average, Matthew. And uh, Matthew, am I a smart guy or am I a simpleton? Uh, you're not prosaic. <laughs> I'm not prosaic. No. Oh, so I'm a smart guy. You're gonna make me say it. Yeah, all yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. All right. I'm a smart guy, but I'm lazy. Okay, and so I don't like. You know, I've been hearing all these people talk about this expecting batting average, expected batting average, and they're all like, "Well, the expected batting average is 600, but he's only batting 216. So clearly, that means he's been having really bad luck, and he should actually hit 600 for the first time in the history of baseball." And I thought to myself, "Well, that sounds right. I mean, if the expected batting average is 600, or..." 300 or 286 then that must mean that he should be hitting 286 right matthew yes that's exactly what it means right right so you know what i did matthew you know what Gosh. you know what i do when i get a new new appliance like a vcr you, or a VCR. i Jesus know what you God. do you your vcr yes yes um did i, did um, I just say <laughs> vcr Yes, yes. When you when get, I like, get a, a Betamax. New, like, yeah, well, I was thinking more like a like a phonograph. <laughs> when I get me one of these wind-up telephones. I Well, I, I knew where you are going because, yeah. we, folks, growing up with this guy, we'd get something new. I'd rip open the box and just try and figure out how it works. Whereas he would sit down and actually read the instruction manual. That's right. And and I will admit, a lot of times it actually came in handy that someone had read it, but uh, I would have figured it out eventually. Yeah, yeah. So you know what I did, Matthew? You know what I did about with expected batting average? You read the instructions? I went and read the instructions. And first of all, the instructions are impossible to find. In fact, I'm pretty sure they're not actually fully published anywhere. At least oh. not that I could find. Okay. Because every explanation I would, I would read would say a bunch of stuff that sounded like, okay, and then they would say and other data. And that really, really kind of like made me very angry. Because every time I read, and other data, I would be like, what data? 
right? Like, I have a degree in computer science. Like, I was trained, and as my profession, I have done these things. And when you just throw in stuff like, and say, and other stuff, it makes engineers really uncomfortable. So take this with a grain of salt. But here's what I learned about expected batting average while I went and read the manual, Matthew. Expected batting average is a defense-independent statistic. The intent of this statistic is meant to show how good a hitter is when you remove all of the other factors that could possibly muddy uh, the question of whether or not he's a good hitter, which includes how well the defense against him plays and how well the defense against him is positioned. It is a defense-independent statistic meaning it removes defense from the question. And I'll get into why that's important in a little bit, but first let me tell you what I know is in this stat. What is in this statistic is exit velocity, launch angle, and sometimes they factor in something called the speed factor, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But all of that gets combined And they look at every ball that is hit into play and they give it a batting average. And they say that this is the batting average of a ball with this launch angle, this exit velocity, and this speed factor for the runner for certain situations, which nobody ever says, but I assume this means ground balls that are in the infield. Because that's where speed really comes into play for the batter as to whether or not this results in a hit. And all of this is meant to remove defense as a factor. So basically, it means if you hit the ball at a certain launch angle and a certain exit velocity, then that means you're a good or you're a not a good hitter, right? Because a certain percentage of these balls land into play, land land for hits, and a certain percentage don't. Now, here's the problem with this. Everybody has been taking expected batting average and assuming that that means that's what the batting average of this player should be versus what it currently actually is. And everybody wants to say the only factor that could explain the difference between these two stats is luck. And that is completely and totally false based on what I have read about this statistic. Because it is meant to remove defense as a factor. Basically what it says is if you hit the ball hard and you hit it at a certain launch angle, not too high, not too low, then you're a better hitter than those who don't. However, if you are always playing against great defenses and you're always playing against defenses that know exactly where you're going to hit the ball so they position their outfielders in the right place or even their infielders in the right place, then your actual batting average is going to be quite poor because the ball is going to go right to those guys. But your expected batting average is going to be quite high. So... While luck plays a huge factor into this, it's not the only factor that could could explain the discrepancy between actual batting average and expected batting average. Really good defenses and really well-primed and educated defenses can also impact this. So if you always hit the ball to the same place and they put their fielders right there, your expected batting average is going to be quite high, but your actual batting average is going to be zero. Okay, does that does that make sense? 
It makes sense. And so I, I guess where you, what you're getting at is that the Giants have become kind of predictable in the way that they they hit or their their approach. Uh, so teams are can take advantage of that and it can give you an illusion of uh, of a high expected batting average when in reality teams have kind of maybe figured out the Giants. And uh, and so it doesn't really matter what their expected average is. Their real batting average is because teams are kind of playing them in a way, either through pitch selection or positioning on defense or both, um, in a way that is kind of uh, making them hit like crap. Yes. I'm saying that's a distinct possibility. I am not. What I'm saying is, is that the idea that this is only down to luck is totally and completely false. And if you think that you're being tricked by the name, which is expected batting average, this is really just a, a what it says is the percentage of people who hit the ball that look just like this ball can expect their ball to land into play or land as a fair as a hit this percentage of the time. And that is very different than expected batting average. Yeah. Well skilled. Like- yeah. I just I don't like this at all <laughs> because what what that stat was making me feel like was that the the bad luck that the Giants were experiencing was at some point going to turn around and that because of just laws of averages and such right uh, you know and the you know, regression to the mean and all that kind of thing um, because when you hear something like expected batting average then you're thinking okay well then at some point it's going to regress. But what you're saying, or progress in this case, but uh, but I guess in your what you're saying is that that doesn't have to happen at all. No, no, it doesn't have to happen at all because if the Giants are predictable and the Giants have a process, they have an approach, right? Their approach is wait for your pitch and try to hit it out of the park. At least that's what it was in 2021. And it kind of feels like it nece- hasn't necessarily changed. But everybody know if everybody knows that's your approach, they can change how they pitch to you. And what they'll probably try to do is fool you into thinking that you're getting the pitch that you want when you're not. And I would surmise that a good indicator that that's happening is an increase in strikeouts. Now, mm. I'm just a guy sitting in his closet. Like, this could all be totally wrong. But what I'm suggesting is, is that maybe the problem is the Giants and not bad luck. That's what I'm saying. Now, I would also like to point out a couple of other statistics, Matthew, while I was investigating this whole thing. I did notice a couple of things that also might explain why the Giants are not hitting well. Okay. Go, nerd boy. Tell me. First of all, the Giants have a high percentage of soft hit fly balls compared they're, they they rank about 10th in this category in baseball they also pull the ball a lot so effectively when you look at how hard they hit balls the percentage at which they're pulling the ball and the percentage at which they're hitting fly balls they're basically hitting a lot of weak fly balls and folks how many balls have we seen recently that have gone to the warning track Oh, it seems like every other one. Yeah. Or yeah. For that well, matter. the percentages bear this out. I don't know why this might be, but maybe too many guys are trying to launch every ball that's thrown to them and hit a home run. When maybe they should be doing what the Rays did against Tristan Beck 
and try to go with the pitch and hit it up the middle. By the way, the Giants are like the fourth or fifth rated team at hitting balls straight up the middle. Not, sorry, fifth lowest. So the Giants are pull-happy, soft fly ball hitting player uh, team. They hit a huge percentage. About 10% of their fly balls are pop-ups in the infield, which is a massively high number. But the other thing that I noticed is while the Giants lead the league in bunt hits with 21, their infield hits, Matthew, is the lowest in the league at 58. The Cubs have 119 infield hits. The Giants have 58. The Giants are the worst team at infield hits. And also, there turns out to be the score. It's called the speed score. I don't know what it means. I don't know how they measure it. But what I do know is the Giants are the worst. The Giants are the slowest team in baseball. They uh, are not. That, that, that passes the eye test. Right. I mean, well, they're not legging anything what out. They're measuring. When you hear a stat like speed, you know that the Giants are last. Right. Well, yeah, and so that means what it means is the Giants are not getting infield hits. They're not they're not beating out double plays. And think about that for a second. Think about how many times you've seen the Giants hit into a double play. Think about how many times you've seen a guy get thrown out when he almost legs out an infield hit but doesn't quite. Well, it turns out that the Giants are quite quite poor at this. Some teams are twice as good at legging out infield hits than the Giants. That ends up working out to two to three hits per game or even saving one out per game. And that turns into maybe a run or two per game, right? The Giants are just horribly slow. And this is another factor as to why this offense is so bad, right? Uh, so so anyway, I you know, like I said, I'm just a fat old guy sitting in his closet. But when I look at the stats, like there are a lot of problems that this offense has that quite clearly indicate that this offense has real problems. And it's not just about bad luck. Well, I'm really glad we had this conversation, Ben. Thank you for uh, using statistics to make me feel depressed. <laughs> hey, that's my job, Matthew. My job on this show is to make everybody feel worse. <laughs> Wait, is that my job? Is that my job? You do a good job at that? I don't know if that's your job. <laughs> <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is is that I think that there is I think I think there's a possibility that there's a problem with the San Francisco Giants approach at the plate. Right? They need to change their approach to suit that the hitters that they have in 2023 and stop trying to pretend that they have the same set of hitters as they had in 2021. The other thing is is like I don't know how you fix the second thing is but they slow well, you remember when the when when the Giants said they wanted to get you know more athletic? Uh, that that didn't happen. I mean, they no. brought up some young guys, uh, you know, and and you know Casey Schmidt, and uh, I mean they're not slow runners. Um, no, none of these guys are slow. I can't think of one guy that they called speed, up. I guess you know, and it was interesting today, like on the radio broadcast. I think late in the game, um, Bailey got on base, and FP was like. Harris should just try and steal a bag here. Like, why not? You know, and I'm sorry, Bailey should try and steal a bag here. Why not? 
And uh, and I was like, because that's not what the Giants do. I mean, they're not gonna like, <laughs> you know, like outside of Tyro, no one's stealing a base. You know, it's just and 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 maybe they should. Maybe they need to put a little bit more pressure on the defense on on catchers and pitchers. Uh, but they don't. Even no. with guys that maybe have you know average speed, you know, they're not doing that. So I, yeah. The rules of the game have changed to benefit fast runners. And the Giants don't have fast or didn't start the season with them. But they do have them now. A lot of these young guys, they can all run, right? Ramos is built like a truck. And that guy can run like, like, a, like, a, like something that's really fast, Matthew. A gazelle. There you go. And, uh, and, and Meckler is fast. I mean, sure, Bailey's got young legs. He can even run. Right. They should absolutely be putting more pressure on the bases. I, I think they should be trying to steal more. But but really, I mean, I, I think what this points out is, is that just a lot of these guys like Jock Peterson and Wilmer Flores and even. Um, well, I mean, like a lot of these guys who've been hurt, like like Slater and Yastrzemski, like they just Conforto. None of these guys are burners. Right. Right. And it's just hurting them. It's hurting them, right? They're not legging out infield hits. They're not beating out double play balls. And and you couple that with the fact that they're striking out a ton and they're hitting a bunch of lazy fly balls and a lot of pop-ups. And that's why this offense is bad. You know, all I'm doing is pointing it out. My hope is, is that the Giants, they see it too and they can figure out a way to fix it. Well, the person who's going to have to fix it is Gabe Kapler. Well, that's and... it. Pack it up. <laughs> well, I, I'm bringing him up because last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, I don't know, at some point recently, I think if you recall, Casey Schmidt um, was, uh, was arguing with an umpire. It was over and, check swings. Yep, and Kapler came running out, and we thought, that he was coming out to maybe defend his player. And his young player who was going through a rough stretch who really needed his manager to stand up for him in a position where he probably was getting jobbed by the umpires. Yeah. Exactly. And and instead, he you know pulled Schmidt back and didn't get thrown out of the game, right? and Didn't argue and with I, the umps at all. No, no. Uh, so fast forward to this week. And Wade Meckler, who's been in the big leagues, I think at that point, a grand total of two or three days. It was his second game. Uh, uh, is has for and in, in both games, it was getting questionable calls on him called strikes. I don't know what right. Wade did, but I think it involved the umpire's mothers. <laughs> Maybe because the umpires were not. They doing were. Any they were just jobbing him. Yeah. They were and, just and, awful. They were. And Kapler well, and Meckler's game is knowing the strike zone. And 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 so uh Kapler, you know, uh, took it upon himself to come out and stand up for Meckler and you know got well actually he got thrown out before he even came out, right? So yes. he got I was thrown at this out from game, the by the way. And he got thrown out from the dugout and then came out and in a very Kapler way. You know, pointedly told 
the umpire what a crappy job he was doing. Yes. And what was kind of cool from the TV perspective was that Meckler is standing right there and can hear everything that Kapler is telling this umpire. And we learned later that Kapler was basically telling, uh, you know, the message for Meckler was, I got your back. These umpires are screwing you over. Don't change your approach. Right. And he really wanted to do that early on to let Meckler know that he didn't want him to feel like he needed to start chasing pitches or do something that's not within his game, because what got him here is pitch selection. And and so uh, which I thought was was really great. And, you know, for once, Kapler was standing up for a young player and got tossed. Um, and then what was even funnier is that uh, he continued to manage the game from the uh, from from the hallway down the, the, the and so ended up getting a full game suspension on top of that, uh, which he served in the first game in Atlanta. So, uh, you know, so I thought that was interesting. And um, and then and, and then so Kapler's had a week, Ben. He's had a week. Right. And and I think the other thing that we learned this week is that Kapler, I think, is starting to feel a little bit of the pressure, you know, of the Giants not playing well. And for many, many weeks, Kapler's response to questions has been like, well, this is what we do. You know, I'm not worried about it. This is, you know, everyone's, you know, we're going to play our game and things are going to you know, turn around or whatever. And they haven't been now for almost two months. And he gets a legitimate question from a from a, a reporter and gets really snippy. And and we've seen that a few times, but this time it was particularly snippy. And and it really speaks, I think, to the stress now that Kapler and maybe even the team is starting to to feel. So interesting week with Kapler. I think, you know, standing up for Meckler, but then also snapping at at reporters. I don't know, just curious to hear your thoughts. Well, first of all, I mean, standing up for Meckler, that was absolutely the right thing to do. And and I was at that game and I heard, you know, I, I was watching the battery, right? I was watching the pitcher and, and I heard the crowd get excited, right? Because I was sitting up in the club level. <laughs> As you do. There's three bars up there, Matthew. They got a Jose Cuervo and a bullet and a, uh, a, a, a Jim Beam bar up on the on the middle level. Oh. I hit two. I hit two of them. Anyway, uh, I really like what they're doing with the bars there. I mean, they're still using sour mix and margarita mix. You know, guys, maybe you could come up with some custom stuff, right? Make them in batch before the game. Uh, listen to, to my Thursday show from two weeks ago and about batch cocktails. Um, but anyway, uh, I was at that game and everybody got super excited and I didn't really know what had happened. And then I saw Kapler come out and, and start arguing with the guy. And, you know, I, I really went after Kapler when he didn't stand up for Schmidt, which he should have. That was a failure on Gabe Kapler's part. And I hope that Kapler recognizes that he's got a ton of young players who all need him to prop them up when things aren't going well. Not just him, but the rest of the staff, but especially him. And he missed his opportunity with Schmidt. That was an absolute mistake. Absolute mistake. He did the wrong thing there. And I would like to think that he learned from that and he did the opposite thing with Meckler, right? Because that was absolutely the message that he was sending. 
And he was pointing at Meckler. And he was referring to the first at-bat as he was talking to the umpire. He hold up three fingers, and that was three fingers for three pitches that the umpire missed in the first at-bat. Yeah. Right? And that umpire knows that Kapler knows that he, he – Kapler saw it on TV. Like, Kapler knows that he missed him. So the umpire knows that he's being told the truth at that point in time. Now, who knows what goes through the umpire's heads when they're being told the truth? But the point is, is that Meckler knew it too. And that was absolutely the right move for Kapler to make in that time. And he has to be aggressive like that. And he has to take care of these young guys who are coming out of a league, by the way, where balls and strikes are called by robots. Right, strike is a strike. A strike is a strike, and a ball is a ball. It's always the same. And then you come here, and these idiots are calling balls and strikes. You know, Kapler's got to come in and and remind them that they need to keep doing that. So I'm absolutely glad that he did. Uh, And in terms of his interaction with that reporter, so the so the reporter asked a question roughly related to pinch hitting decisions, and we know that the Giants like to pinch hit based on lefty righty sort of rules. And the, they have. it seems like Kapler has not been sort of following his formula. And I think everybody's sort of confused now. Like, when are you doing this and when are you not? And that was the question that this reporter asked. And he asked him, like, you know, why did you do that? Like, what was the distinction? What was the difference between these two decisions that you made? And Kapler, in kind of a jerky way, turned the question back on the reporter and said, well, do you understand the distinction? And the reporter, I think he, I, I don't know who the reporter was. I heard his name. He's a guy I'd never heard of before. Legend, I'm not legend, but, but word has it that he's a relatively younger reporter. I think as a reporter, what he probably should have said is, no, Gabe, I don't understand the distinction. That's why I'm asking the question. I'm the reporter. You're the expert. Or he could have said, this is what the fans are asking. I'm just repeating what they're asking. Right. right. He tried to he tried to argue. He tried to like say, well, in this case, you did this. And in this case, you did that. And I think a reporter never has to do that because a reporter is not the expert. Gabe Kapler is the expert. If Gabe Kapler ever accuses you of trying to be the expert, your right response as a reporter is to say is I'm definitely not the expert. That's why I'm asking you. You tell me I'm the idiot. You know, lean into it, not lean out of it. Um, because then that really exposes what's happening in that moment, which is, yeah, Gabe Kapler was being defensive. Because, yeah, the hitting sucks, and they've been trying to change it with whatever philosophy or approach they've been doing for two months, and it's not working. And it probably really sucks when you think you know the answer, and it turns out you don't. And some kid comes along and says, uh, you got this wrong. And I agree. I think that's what happened. Um, I hope all of that is indicative of the fact that the Giants do realize that they've got it wrong and they change their approach. Yeah, well, I, yeah, and I think that uh, one one thing I will say about Kapler is that um, he definitely seems to be someone who is comfortable when saying he was wrong and also someone who seems to be like, Okay, you know, he'll tell you that he wants to learn from his experiences. And I know that he came out recently and admitted that he had, uh, you know, said he got a little bit uh, too testy with the reporter. Um, and But I also feel like in this instance, it's, you know, maybe it will give him a time to reflect on some of these, you know, what has made the Giants successful so far and why are you deviating from it? Uh, because that question wasn't answered. Um, and so, you know. Yeah. And, and, 
I think Matthew Hughes is grasping a straw. He doesn't know. Right? He doesn't. He doesn't know. They they don't know. Like and and when it comes to make a game time decision, he he's just grasping at straws. Who's going to well, hit? But well, here Slater, Ramos, Meckler. Yeah. Well, the I don't know about about deciding things that by the numbers is sometimes the 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 numbers aren't aren't there. You know, uh, they're still human, and right. so. Uh, and, and so, yeah, the law averages said that most of the time your decisions are going to be, uh, reward you with this result, but then a, but that's what in baseball, that might be what the difference between 24% of the time and 29% of the time. Right. I mean, I mean, that's the difference. Right. And that's, Uh, that's a hard distinction I think for fans to understand though, because that's only 5% difference. Yeah. And most of the time, that's not going to show up. No. It's going to show up every third game or fourth game. Right. And and nobody will ever see it or notice it, you know? Actually, and, if you do look at it, it'll throw up every 20th game. Right. And right. Then, or 20th so, situation. Which, which, you know, could be, you know, 20 times what? So that's, what, five, six, seven, eight wins? Eight wins? Yeah. Right? Uh, so... You know, that's, yeah. So it, it's it's a very minute thing that it's very hard to kind of to, to split hairs. Right. On. Well, my biggest concern about Kapler when he came aboard was I was worried that he would play this team like it was a video game. Right? Yeah. And I think the right answer there is, is that he went with his gut. And that's a very dangerous thing, uncomfortable thing, I think, for this regime to admit. And the reason you yeah. go with your gut in that situation is because the offense is just bad all around. Basically, the question was this, Matthew. Why did you make this bad choice instead of this other bad choice? Why didn't you choose this bad guy instead of that bad guy? Right. Right. right? It wasn't and, like you were leaving a Hall of Famer on the bench. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, and the answer is it's just sort of like, you know what? Like, I'm rolling the dice here. I'm trying to just catch lightning in a bottle. I'm going with my gut. I'm pulling a Dusty Baker. Yeah. And... And, and, and that's what he was doing. But when you've done everything by the book and you've done everything by the formula up to this point and suddenly you're in the situation where you realize you're making moves by your gut, which I think is totally reasonable when everybody sucks. It's an uncomfortable situation to be in. You got to What are you going to tell this kid? Oh, I just did it. With, I just did it by my gut because this time I just decided to do it that way. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And that was that was the real answer, I think. Well, and, and again, you know, Managers look better when players actually perform. So we'll see. <laughs> That's yeah, true. Kind of At the end of the day, so. this is on the guys who didn't execute. And 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 ultimate. So you know, speaking of you know things that have changed. So we we talked about Wade Meckler uh, arriving. Uh, you know, you were talking about how guy. You know, the Giants don't hit the ball up the middle. They hit home run. You know, they swing for the fences and all that. That is not Meckler's game. Meckler is a put the ball back up the middle. You know, singles kind of hitter, hit for contact, you know, uh, work your walks. You know, those are the, that's his game. 90 uh, mile per hour line drives. Yeah. Dwayne Kuyper said that he reminds him a little bit of Dan Gladden, if you want to go back. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, so that's a long, uh, it's, it's on the edge of my memory. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's know, a good stature call. and uh, scrappy, you know, kind of, yeah. you know, player. So, so that was an interesting thing. But, uh, so Meckler, you know, that was a, I think it's kind of safe to say it was a little bit of a desperation, you know, kind of call. They had to get him on the 40 man. And then they're trying to catch up. lightning in a bottle with Meckler for sure. Yeah. And well, and the thing about Meckler is like he doesn't even 
his um, arbitration years, he didn't even have to be put on the 40 man for another two or three years, <laughs> you know? So, and those 40 man spots are valuable. So for them to be like, we need him now uh, and there's no one else that's that says a lot and so you know so that that starts his time now much more quickly and it also prevents somebody else from being put on the 40 men next the during the offseason sure. so lots of lots of nuance there lots of things that happened with that move that are like wow that's you did something you really didn't want to do but you're desperate yeah and and he's batting a buck 47 to start. He's not the Casey Schmidt, like lightning in a bottle guy yet. And, uh, but we'll see, I guess. I we'll mean, he's 17 at bats in. I'm going to give the yeah, kid no, a break. Yeah, no, it's a small, exactly. Right? A small sample size. Like, yeah. But Ben, that's not the biggest news. No? The biggest news is Kyle freaking Harrison making his major league debut on Tuesday. Finally. Are we sure? Finally. This is just a report. The Giants haven't admitted it yet. No, I I'm think s- Kepler after the game did admit it. Oh, did he? He, he did say it. Yeah, okay. after the game. Today. The game out today? The Today's game, today. game yes. Because I just keep that. waiting for that. Oh, my God. They killed Kyle again. There's <laughs> a, a South Park reference for those of you who don't know. Uh, old school South Park yeah. reference. Who killed Kyle? Yeah. No, no, just kidding. Um, um, anyway, um, so this is another that we've been waiting for this. You know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see who else, uh, who this affects in terms of the rotation, quote unquote rotation, uh, the innings guys, you know, is, you know, so somebody's got to go. Uh, so it's going to be, uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious to see kind of what this is all going to shake out to be. And, and will Harrison be the difference maker that we really need? Also, will he, I, I think he actually is slated to start the game on uh, rather than, you know, an opener, you know, so there's that, you know, and um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a must watch baseball on Tuesday, Ben. Yeah, I'm excited. I am not going to fly to Philadelphia to see the game, uh, but I am excited nonetheless. I, I really can't wait for this to happen. I, I mean, I, I don't know that he's going to be the difference maker unless they let him hit. Uh, you know, I mean, the pitching staff can only do so much, right? I, I, I hope that this offense continues to show life. I hope that they change their approach. I hope that they realize that whatever they've been doing is no longer working and that they've got to change things up and do something different. Uh, maybe that's what they're already doing already, right? Um, or, or maybe, maybe you know, maybe finally the process is working. But yeah, I, I think it's a shot in the arm. I think it's exciting. I think it's a continuation of everything that we've seen with Matos and Luciano and Schmidt and Meckler. It is just more of the same. It is the youth movement coming in, and that is exciting in and of itself. But at the end of the day, these kids and veterans all need to start executing. You know, I, I think I think the expectation right now, I think amongst the organization, is that this team is going to make the playoffs. If this team does not make the playoffs then the season was a failure, I think, from their perspective. Um, I don't know that I feel the same way. I think if they fight until the last day and don't make it, then it's still a little bit of a benefit because of all the young guys that they brought up. But it seems to me that the organization believes that they need to be in the playoffs. And that's why they're trying to catch lightning in a bottle with Wade Meckler, right? Um, because they they expect to make the playoffs. And I think we should probably all expect the same. I do. 
I do expect it. All, All right. right. Well, we are out of time here. I think it's uh, time to answer the trivia question, Ben. The trivia question was, what Bay Area high school did Kyle Harrison attend? You said... Livermore. The Cowboys That's right. of Livermore High. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, he attended De La Salle High School in Concord. Of course he did. Uh, powerhouse, De La Salle, uh, powerhouse in football over the years, uh, baseball over the years. All uh, the sports, really. But football, football, basketball, and baseball are their big ones. They are currently, this year, they're ranked 17th in the nation. And actually, one of the key players on that team for this year is Kyle Harrison's younger brother, Connor. So so that's uh, an interesting thing. I did not know that uh, he was a Bay Area kid until looking him up today. And uh, born in San Jose, even. So, you know, Bay Area kid through and through. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll learn more about Kyle Harrison and uh, hopefully he'll have a great first start and see how things go. He's going to throw three perfect games in a row. Okay. On his, like on his way to 300 wins in the Hall of Fame. Ex- okay. Let's, and he's going to throw uh, 10 no-hitters total. I'm down with that. Yeah. I'm down with that. Starting with Tuesday, right? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, looking ahead to next week, I am uh, bringing, uh, well, we are celebrating National Whiskey Sour Day at the end of the week on Friday. Woo-hoo. Uh, so on Thursday's happy hour episode, Ben and I are bringing the whiskey sours. I am bringing a ginger rosemary whiskey sour. Ben, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Ben's whiskey sour. Oh, of course you are. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you'll have to stay tuned on Thursday to find out what makes Ben's whiskey sour Ben's whiskey sour. It's a whiskey sour. Uh, it is. It is with a lot of lot of stuff. Things bolted so, on. Yeah. 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 All right. And uh, well, and we got three games uh, in Philadelphia, and starting on what Tuesday? I guess so. With Kyle Harrison's yeah. uh, perfect game. So, and you know the, what's what makes that notable is the Phillies are the team right in front of us. That's right uh, in the wild card standings. So uh, we could make some ground up there if we play well. Um, that would be really key to maybe leapfrog a team, or at least uh, get closer to them. So that would be key there. Then we come back to home and we play these damn Braves again um, just you know Eddie it's always Rosario the Braves isn't it Matthew some, yeah even Kevin Pilar you know I mean yeah it's it's, it's right um, yeah. yeah Pilar shows up from out of nowhere like are you kidding me like oh, god the stupid Braves uh, you know what I think the Giants can go four and two this week I think they can I I think I think three and three would be great right but I feel like they can win both of these series, right? The Phillies are a tough, tough team. They're the best team in baseball, but you're playing them at home. You know, you just demonstrated that you can play them toe-to-toe. I think the Braves, you, you said me. Sorry, the Braves, the yes. Phillies. No, yeah. yeah, the Braves are the best team in baseball. I think you can play them toe-to-toe. I think you can win the series at home. The Phillies, come on. Come on. They're the same as you. Show them that you're better. Exactly, exactly. So... All right. Well, thank you all for uh, uh, listening, Ben. It's been great uh, chatting with you. Uh, Folks, uh, don't forget to uh, rate and subscribe uh, if you haven't done so already. Uh, And follow us on the social medias. Uh, We're on the platform formerly known as Twitter. Uh, We are on Instagram. 
We're on Threads. And yes, even Mastodon. So follow us at Giant Cocktails on those uh, platforms. And, you know, say hi, chat with us. Uh, it's been fun you know, interacting with people on Twitter. And, uh, you know, we always try to reply back. So, you know, um, definitely give us a, a follow. Uh, ben, until next week, it's been good chat with you. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until next time, bottoms up. <laughs> <laughs>